0: We are in a series entitled, This is the Gospel. I hope you enjoyed last week. It was so great to just talk about the grace of God and the good news of Jesus. And I'm excited to go into week two. I want to remind you again that the gospel of Jesus is the announcement that God came to earth in Christ. He came to earth, lived a sinless life, died for our sins, rose from the grave, and offers us the free gift of salvation. That is the gospel. Our response to the gospel is believing that what Jesus did for us is enough, trusting him to save us from our sins, and joyfully giving Jesus our lives in surrender to his lordship. Now, when we look at the book of Colossians, which is what we're studying right now in this series, uh, you will see this in all of Paul's writings. You will see uh, the first half of his book's are the declaration of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and he does this in Colossians chapter 1 and chapter 2 but then he goes into our response in the second half of every book he does this in Ephesians Colossians, he does this all through his writings and here in Colossians he's going to do it again chapter 1 and 2 is all about Jesus what he's done and who he is and then chapters 3 and 4 which will be the next 2 weeks is our response to that so um, it's not just this kind of hyper grace of, of just, you know, Jesus died for you, Jesus saved you, go do whatever you want. No, there is this, there is this beautiful reality of what Christ has done for us. And then there is this, also this reality of what we ought to do in response to what he's done for us. Amen. And they go together and they don't contradict. Uh, they didn't contradict to Paul, and they shouldn't contradict to us. Paul saw this as as two sides of one coin. He he did not see this as either or. He saw this as both and. He saw this as uh, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Y'all ever heard that hymn? I don't know if you've ever. I've been singing. I'm singing all the oldies. These poor guys are on YouTube right now. What song was that? Okay. So, so Jesus paid it all. Amen. But now all to him I owe. Now I give my life back to him. That, that is the gospel in one little lyric of a hymn. So now let's go to Colossians 2 verse 13. You were dead because of your sins. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. Wow, all of them. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross in the same way he disarmed the spiritual powers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Amen. This is awesome. Uh, by the way, if you're, if you're ever talking to an English teacher, they will tell you, uh, don't use more than one analogy. And Paul's already given us four. I don't know if you saw that. He, yeah. he, he, he talks about, he's already talked about baptism. He's talked about circumcision. He's talked um, about uh, a, a financial payment being canceled. And then he's talked about uh, a victory over, over an enemy. Wow. Wow. So he's given you four analogies for the cross in two verses. And you're like, what is happening? He just knows we're going to need it. And he knows that every one of you in the room will feel this differently So he's giving you different pictures of what the cross did. Though our high school English teacher would give us a C minus for it. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. That's why we worship on Sunday and not on Saturday. Because that was a cultural expression for the Jewish people, but we're not Jewish, we're Gentile. And so we worship on the first day of the week, the day of the resurrection. And, and, and by the way, you could worship tomorrow, you can worship Wednesday, and you can worship Tuesday, you can worship Thursday and Friday and Saturday and all the days amen okay so christ himself is the reality don't let anyone condemn you notice that he says it again now that's twice he's just said that don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels saying that they have had visions about these things their sinful minds have made them proud and they are not connected to christ the head of the body notice that they're religious they're speaking in the name of jesus but they're not connected to jesus for he holds the whole body together, the joints and the ligaments, and grows as God nurses it. You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world? What are the rules of the world? Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Hear no evil, see no evil, say no evil. Such rules are mere human teachings about that. Uh, Excuse me, about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, glory to God, pious self denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. You can discipline the body and still have a soul that's unchecked. And, and God just said, I don't want the surface. I want your heart. Ooh. So let's talk about grace and faith, grace and faith, grace and faith. Lord, help me in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Um, I've told you this story before, but so many of you are new. I feel like it's, I need to share it again. Uh, I was golfing a few years back with two friends. One of the friends attended our church. One of the friends was uh, not a believer, was a part of a different religion. And as we're on the golf course, I was about to tee off. And he goes, so, Jabin, what what makes Christianity different than my religion? And I just went, oh, my God, I don't know. You know, like, I'm trying to. I'm trying to tee off and not make a fool of myself, and I want to give the right answer because we're talking about God kind of for the first time, and I'm really freaking out. So I'm re- I'm, I'm just racking my brain. What should I tell him? What should I tell someone that doesn't follow Jesus? What makes Christianity different than his religion or any other religion? And I'm just like, well, you know, um, well, you know, uh, and I'm and I'm just humming and on and oohing and on, and all of a sudden my other friend goes, "Grace," he just yells it, "Grace." And I look over, and he's just standing there. And I go, yeah. That's it. It's grace. What makes this different? Grace. That we're not earning or trying. We are receiving. Let me tell you how your walk with God started. John chapter 1, verse 12. To all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. That's where you start. Okay, let me just, let me try to break this down. When your life of faith began, you start as a child of God. You don't start as a slave or a servant and grow into a son or a daughter. You start as a son and daughter and you actually mature into a servant. You are not becoming a child of God, you became a a child of God when you received Jesus. So good. Romans chapter 8 verse 15 says that we've received the spirit of adoption. We've been adopted by Almighty God. Now that might not mean a lot to you, but the Romans knew exactly what Paul meant because under Roman legal system, the person who was adopted into a family gained all the legal rights of a legitimate son in the new family He lost all the rights, privileges, and responsibilities of his old family. Oh, man. (laughs) By becoming a member of the new family, he gained all the rights of his new father's estate. He was now an equal with the other sons and daughters of his new family. He was a co-heir with them according to Roman law. He was regarded as a new person who had a new life with a new name in a new family. In this adoption, the old life of the adopted son was completely wiped out. All of his debts were canceled. His past now had nothing to do with him. He was in a new relationship with a new family. In Christ, we are not sinners saved by grace; we are children of God. Nothing to prove, nothing to hide. Securing God's love. This is grace. Say amen, everybody. Amen. 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 So so. So as I come to Jesus now, number one, I have to, I have to receive the grace of Jesus, receive the grace of Jesus. Think about these verses that we just read. This is Colossians 2.13. He, he made you alive with Christ. He forgave your sin. He canceled the record of charges against us. He took it away by nailing it on the cross. He He disarmed spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly with his victory over them on the cross. Notice all these words then, made, forgave, canceled, took, disarmed, shamed. All of these words are past tense. It's already done. So when I, when I got up last week and I said Christianity is, is done, religion is due, but Christianity is done. It's done because it was completely done on the cross. It's done. Paul, Paul did not say that he will make you alive with Christ or that he will forgive all of your sins or that he might cancel the record of the charges against you or that he may nail that guilty sentence on the cross. That he might disarm the devil if you do enough. Remember, it's already all done. So I live from this place called grace. Jesus took our debt. He took our charges. He took our guilty sentence. And he nailed it to the cross. The, the best, by the way, the best Greek idea of, of when Paul says that he took those, that record of charges against us it would be like a contract that you signed. Have you ever sent a text that you wish you could take back, but you sent it, so now it's out there? Sent an email that you wish you could take back, but it's out there now, and there's nothing you could do about it. There, There was a letter with your sin on it that you signed, and there was nothing you could do about it. So Jesus took that letter, and he nailed it to the cross. And he said, paid for, forgiven. It's finished. It's done. Oh, come on, somebody give God praise. I, I feel this. I feel this. Woo. And God demonstrates, Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So if he loved us as sinners... Wouldn't he love us all the more as his children? Isn't it crazy how we beat ourselves up now that we're Christians? That's why I've said this a lot. Grace gives us the ability to exhale. <sighs> to breathe. To relax. To relax. I don't have to put my best foot forward in God. Because he sees everything. Man, this is so good. So, so verse 16 and verse 18, John says this. So don't let anyone condemn you. Don't let anyone condemn you. So we, we've read Romans 8, 1, right? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Now that, that's a condemnation from the law and a condemnation from Satan. But now there's another condemnation. It's from religious people. (laughs) Hi. He says, says, don't let anyone tell you what to eat or drink. Now, are there foods that are healthy and foods that are unhealthy? Of course. Are there things that you shouldn't eat and drink? Yeah, of course. Are there? He's talking about in the name of acceptance of God. I don't eat shellfish. I don't eat pork. Okay, yeah, you probably shouldn't. They're pretty gross, you know. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, we were passing by. Um, I forgot what Mexican restaurant it is, but they have a a, a scorpion on their on their uh, wall on the thing. And Goldie goes, "Oh, look! It's a lobster restaurant." <laughs> And I go, that's not a lobster, it's a scorpion. But it's kind of a good example of like why we probably shouldn't eat lobster. Because we wouldn't eat scorpion. Anyway, that's for another. <laughs> I'm not here to talk about how to eat. I'm just saying. But we, we would never do that out of a spiritual religiosity. Don't let anyone condemn you. Celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbath. Well, I worship on Saturday. That's cool. Go ahead and worship on... That's what Paul said in Romans 14. Go ahead. If you want to worship... If there's a day that's more holy to you in your heart, go ahead. But don't put that on somebody else. Very good. Very good. Right? Tur- turn on Christian TV right now and all the preachers are talking about It's September and it's God's high holy days. And da-da-da-da-da. And you got to give right now because you got to sow a seed right now into this holiday. Because if you don't sow... A seed, and it's like, oh, have you ever read Colossians 2? Because... Ooh, got a lot of Christian TV people in the room. You're like. <laughs> Better be careful that you haven't put your faith in a holiday that, watch, watch, was a shadow. But it's been fulfilled in Christ. Now, celebrate the holiday if you want to celebrate the holiday, but just don't. And we're just as religious today, right? That's why Americans will show up on Easter. See that? We're just, well, I went to Easter. I went to Christmas. And, and their faith is in their religious day. But Easter's only powerful if you know what Easter represents and who the resurrection, does that make sense? like, and while I've already offended everybody, let me just go a step further. In Luke chapter 4. And Luke chapter, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to touch your sacred cows, but sometimes they need to be tipped over. Because they're asleep. Yeah. Well, I'm from New Mexico. We, we would cow tip. But anyway, I got to stop. Um, let me just say one more thing. Luke 4, Jesus shows up on the scene and he says, this is the year of the favor of the Lord. He was, now every Jew knew what he was talking about. He said, he was saying, this is Jubilee. The moment Christ came in the earth, he instituted a perpetual state of jubilee. Yes. Yes. And that's where we're at now. So is there something special about celebrating the resurrection around Easter? Sure, that's great. Is there something special about let's, let's remember Christ came to the earth around Christmas? Girl, that's great. I love it. Is there something you know, you want to celebrate around Pentecost and in May, and yeah, that's great. That's all cool. You want to celebrate Rosh Hashanah in September? I like all that's okay. But listen, if your faith is in that, God did have holy days in the Old Testament, holidays, holy days in the New in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, here is what Paul's doing, and and you'll read this when you read the Gospels. I mean, excuse me, the Epistles. Paul never put his Jewish traditions. On his Gentile churches. Now read the book of Acts. He still followed him because it was his culture. So it was it was it was beautiful to him. It helped him connect to God because it was his culture. Right? Does that make sense? But he didn't put it on the Gentiles. Pious self denial. Capture what he's saying. The worship of angels. Paul is not saying that we can't have standards or that we can't keep people accountable. He's saying that if Jesus saved you, then no ritual, no act, and no holy day can add to his work. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And some of you are going, then why am I here? <laughs> You're like, I thought I, was, I thought I was trying to tip the scales of my favorite pastor. You, you should only be here with a grateful heart for what Jesus has done for you. And now we come into the house of God and we go, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Oh, why don't we? Let's do it real quick. Come on, take 10 seconds and put a thank you, Jesus, in your heart. Thank you, Lord, that it's done. I'm not here to clock in, I'm here to give God the glory. See, legalism is when I put on you what God put on me. And there are things God's put on me as a pastor and as a preacher, but I'm not putting that on you. A lot of times people want to know about my walk with God, my private walk with God, and I don't really share a lot of details. Because I don't want to put that on, because there may not be a grace on you to do what I do. Like if a lot of you knew my walk with God, you'd feel like a failure. No, I'm serious, and that's because I got to stay saved in Sin City. Amen. I have to, as a preacher, I got to stay. I got to stay saved in this city. Here's my here's my point. I'm not putting that on anybody. The way I read my Bible and the way I pray and the way I fast and the way I walk with God. That's it. Because I, I wouldn't. I'm not putting what's on on me on you. That wouldn't be fair. Legalism is obedience out of fear, not out of love. Legalism is when you're trying to impress God, not walk with God. So Paul says, "Here's here's this thing that's happening in the world. Do not handle, verse 21, do not taste, do not touch. Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. In other words, as you, as you do it more and more, you'll lose the fire of it because it wasn't born in the Spirit of God. It was born in your flesh. Is Paul saying we shouldn't be disciplined? No, of course. Of course not. Of course be disciplined. Great, have disciplines. Don't put your faith in them. That's all he's saying. I'm a disciplined tither, I man. I get paid on the first and 15th, and I tithe. And I kind of tithe right on the dot. Like, right when it hits the account. Shannon goes, you're a little weird about that. I go, I am a little weird about that. But I'm just a little weird about that. But I don't think God loves me more. I'm just a little weird. Does that make, does that make sense? Like, the, the other day was like the 17th. Uh, yeah, it was like last month. It was like the 17th. And I looked at my phone. I go, is it the 17th? I mean, like, fear came over my face. <laughs> Shannon goes, yeah. I go, oh, my God, I didn't die. I mean, I literally... I'm just, I'm just a little legalistic, amen? I'm working on myself, amen? Praise the Lord. I wouldn't put that on you. you got to tithe on the 15th of God's card. God. No, I just, I'm just a little weird. That's okay, I'm just a little weird. But, but my faith isn't in that, my faith is in Jesus. These rules seem to be wise because they require strong devotion. But, but watch this, they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. See, because the gospel changes you, not just the outside. Like the gospel changes your desires, not just your actions. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. It will change your actions. But it changes your want to. Yeah. Yeah. Right. See, repentance is more than refusal. It is a replacement of passions. Yeah. Repentance is not just, I don't do that anymore. It's, I don't want to do that because God changed me. And I don't judge anyone else for doing that. I just know what God's done for me and in me and what he's replaced in me. I got six minutes. Pray. Number two. Number two, you got to receive the grace of Jesus. Number two, though, you got to place your faith in Jesus. Verse 6, just as you accepted Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Follow him. Follow him. Follow him. If you're following Jesus, that means your walk is different. Yes, yes. Huh. If you're following Jesus, it means your walk is different. Can I give you a brilliant Quote from the great Charles Spurgeon The Christian life is like climbing up a hill of ice. You will never slide upward. <laughs> wow. Wow. Preach, Pastor Spurgeon, preach. I I gotta I gotta follow God every day, because I'm never gonna slide upward into my destiny. So every day that I'm not actively following Jesus, that's why we we call it backsliding. No one ever upslides. (laughs) Yesterday's faith was good, but I need today's faith. Remember when when God would feed the children of Israel the manna, he would say, I'm only going to give you manna for today. Only today. If you try to eat yesterday's manna, you'll get sick because yesterday's manna it was good, but now it's rotten. It was good for yesterday it's sickness today and then Jesus would come in John six right and he'd go, "Hey, you know that manna that came down from heaven? I am that manna, I'm the bread what what am I saying i'm not I'm not saying if you missed a a quiet time. you didn't read the Bible yesterday. That's not, uh, hear my heart. What I'm saying is if I'm not following Jesus, I can't just rely on yesterday's manna, yesterday's bread, yesterday's faith, yesterday's walk with God. Cause I need today's faith, today's grace, today's power to face today's devil's I've been, I've been wearing this bracelet again. What would Jesus do? Y'all remember these? Yeah. I told Shannon, can we get some of these for serve team conference? I want to sell these. I want people to get these for Searching Car. team conference. What would Jesus do? I've just been thinking about it. More and more. What would Jesus do? That's, that's how I ought to live my life. How would Jesus talk to my kid? How would Jesus... Drive on the two fifteen. How would? <laughs> How would? He would drive slow. Hey, he would drive slow in the right lane, though. Amen. Because he would know. Let me have a Come up here. Come on up. He would know. Amen. He wouldn't drive slow in the left lane. Amen. Oh, uh, what would Jesus do? What a great question. What a great approach to life. What would Jesus do? How would Jesus handle this? I've, just, I've just, been, just been asking these questions. What would Jesus do? Well, one thing he would do is he'd get baptized. "I got you, huh? Who was that?" She was like, "Ha oh, ha! He got us. Got him!" He'd get baptized. How do you know? Because he did get baptized. He He said, I have to do this to fulfill all righteousness. What does that mean? Does that mean that he had to get saved or become righteous? No. It was an expression on the outside of a maturity that he was still growing into. Even as the Son of God, even as God Hebrews 5 says that that he matured even in his suffering. There was, a, there was a maturity that took place, and so even Christ water baptized. And I just figure, man, if Jesus either, however you want to word this, whether Jesus needed to be baptized or wanted to be baptized, I need to be baptized and ought to want to be baptized. I need to be baptized. I don't know, man. Jesus thought he needed to be. <laughs> John runs up to him and goes, no, no, you need to baptize me. That, that ought to be our heart. I'm the one who needs baptism. I'm the one who needs cleansing. I'm the one who needs to go public with my faith. Did, did you catch that Paul brought us back to baptism in Colossians 2? Verse 12, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you were raised in a new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were buried with Christ in baptism. Buried with Christ in baptism. That's why we're offering baptism all month. So that you have that moment of, I've died to my old life. I've been raised in a new life with Christ. And now I can say what Paul said in Galatians 2.20. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This life I live, I now live by faith in the Son of God. It's a big deal. Okay, faith in Jesus, faith in Jesus, faith in Jesus, faith in Jesus. Faith is not gritting your teeth. Did you just hear me? Faith is not gritting your teeth. Faith is not spiritual constipation. That's not faith. Faith is a change of direction. Faith is walking towards God, not away from God. That's all faith is. I got this picture of me and my daughter. My daughter. Grace holds my hand. Yes, yeah. Faith holds God's hand. Yeah, so good. Now, now here, here's why I said it not because I think I'm God <laughs> but because all the responsibilities on me, yeah. walking through that casino, going with the restaurant, Goldie that has the good bread amen she's mine amen dad let's go to the restaurant with the good bread I said all right i'm on the I'm on the lookout I'm taking responsibility I'm not letting go I'm holding on I'm about to pay the bill for the food she's not gonna eat i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna <laughs> It's all on me. It's all on me. It's all on God. And all faith has to do is look at Starbucks. Oh, casino. Uh -uh. you got to trust God's grip on you more than you trust your grip on God. I'm talking about grace. Grace makes, faith takes. Grace provides, faith receives. Grace sets the table, faith eats. Grace sets the tempo. Faith holds on. It's so good. Faith is not trying. Faith is receiving. Faith leads to works. But my faith is never in my works. Grace and faith. Grace and faith. Everything that I just said in those last, I told you six minutes, I'm now at nine. Um, that's, how, that's how you pray. He set the table. All prayer is, is eating at the table of That's all prayer is. All prayer is receiving. What Christ has already gave. On the cross. Think of it that way. I'm not changing God's mind. And when I say things like that, here's the comments that hit my Instagram DM. Well, God changed his mind with Moses. Well, God regretted creating man and, and with Noah. Okay, go ahead and take, if you want to, theologian, take two very obscure Hebrew scriptures that you really don't understand and, and create a theology on that if you want, if you want, like if that's what you want to do. If, if you're an Old Testament theologian. Or, hang out in the New Covenant. <laughs> so this is why Kenneth Hagan said, I read everything through the epistles. Yes, yes. Yeah. My lens, anybody wear glasses in here? Anyone wear glasses? Okay. I need to. My doctor said I need to. I'm not. Yet. <laughs> I'm refusing. Just give me till I'm 40, doc. Uh, I, I'm see, you're seeing everything through those. I see everything through the lens of the epistles. So what was with that argument with Moses and God? I'm not totally sure. I, it wasn't a common thing. It was very rare and it was a very unique relationship. It's, it's done. He is willing. That's where I'm hanging. That's where I'm hanging. Lord, we receive your grace. Pray with me. Pray with me all over the room. Every voice together say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. And that is enough. Forgive me of my sins. Change me from the inside out. Jesus, be my Lord. Be my Savior.